Recording in my family Time to record an intro in my family Time to record an intro in my family Testing, testing, testing Yo! <laughs> What's up? Thanks for tuning in to the new Lo-Fi December mixtape I am here in my bedroom recording by a couple pillows and that's because London has been going through their second lockdown fun fun so I'm recording from basically a closet I've got my pillows set up it's actually quite nice so today we have a special installment of the mixtape as you know or as you might know this year is the new lo-fi's 10th anniversary and to celebrate we are releasing a 10-track vinyl record featuring 10 of our favorite musicians from the past decade. The record is available for pre-order right now at thenewlofi.com slash 10. And if you are a regular listener of the podcast, this probably isn't new news to you. However, until now, we haven't revealed the 10 musicians that will appear on the album. So we've got a very special mixtape for you this month. We are going to sample all 10 tracks that will be featured on the record, and we will be checking in with some of the musicians behind the songs with some exclusive interviews. And for another exclusive, joining me today on the podcast is the new Lo-Fi's co-founder and global twang aficionado, Damon Bakud. Damon and I started the blog 10 years ago when we were both living in New York, and since then Damon has moved to Philadelphia, I've moved to London, and the music world has changed a great deal, but our objective has stayed the same, support and spread music of all kinds and the musicians behind it. So today is going to be about listening to the music on the anniversary album and to reminisce with Damon about the past 10 years. All right, let's see if I can get Damon on the phone. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Wow. Such a, it's such a surprise to hear from you. It's been a long time since we've uh, seen each other face to face, hasn't it? Even though this is just virtual. It has been. It's, uh, it's also been a long time since uh, we talked talked music like we're going to today. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 uh, I, really, I was really looking forward to this and I thought it would be nice to sort of, first of all, listen to all the tracks that were going to appear on the records and reminisce about the past 10 years and and what the new lo-fi has become with you. Awesome. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, man. It's, 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 been, a, uh, it's been a crazy ride, really. And I think this record is a really nice representation of our 10-year milestone. And... It's going to be great because we, we have some conversations from the artists that are appearing on the record and that we've been supporting and working with for the past 10 years, which is fantastic. And I think the record will also hopefully be a symbol for the power of music and the arts in general, sort of our mission over the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, when we started this site, it was... It was pretty humble humble beginnings uh really our intent was only to get music out there share what we were listening to share what we were enjoying the intent was to help 
emerging artists and, and independent artists get their, their music out and help them get discovered. So I think a lot has changed over the last 10 years, but I think that that, that has really stayed consistent uh, on the site. It's, the site has never been about making money. It's, um, we, we haven't done a lot with advertising. Uh, it's really been about the artists. It's really been about the music. And um, you've been faithful to that mission and vision. Yeah, and look, uh, you know, especially in this current time we're living in, the music, the arts, and creativity in general is under attack as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, music halls, theaters, actors, musicians, artists in general, they're being put out of a job. And it's more important more than ever before to support these creative people so we wanted this record to not only be a celebration of 10 years for us but we wanted it to become a symbol of 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 the power of music and creativity in general so with that in mind we are going to be donating a portion of every record sold to a fantastic music and arts charity called heart and soul and we'll talk to some of the folks at Heart and Soul later in this podcast about how they're supporting this, the, the amazing capacity of the music and, and, and arts world. But for now, you can find them on Heart and Soul. That's heart and then the letter N, soul.co.uk. And links for all this stuff is going to be in the notes of this, this podcast. So some of the artists on this record have been with us from the very beginning and some we've just started working with. They hail from many different cities, including New York, London, Berlin, Austin, Los Angeles, Paris. It's a real eclectic mix. And I think it's a fantastic celebration of all the different kinds of music that has been featured on the blog over the past 10 years. The first song on this record, I'm really happy to report, is from one of the bands that we've just started talking to. They're an Austin-based band called Star Parks, and the band has been releasing music since 2016, and they have just released their second album called, I love this, it's a brilliant title, The New Sounds of Late Capitalism. So Star Parks was generous enough to let us feature their single from that album called Palm Sunday on our record, and I'm really pleased that it's the first track. Last month, I was able to catch up with frontman and lead singer for Starbucks. Andy Biancoli to talk about the story about Palm Sunday and what it means to him. I guess I changed what I thought it was about, like after the record was done. But I think when I was writing it, I had a pretty clear idea. I found this reel to reel tape recorder in my attic in New York, right? And it had recordings of my dad listening to the Ed Sullivan show, like when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, right. Wow. So it's like my dad with a microphone um, up to the television, basically, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, and this is the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show for the first time, blah, 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 right? So I found that in my dad's attic, and I brought it to Austin, and we recorded the record on that tape machine. It's like a nice 60s reel-to-reel. It's got really good, like preamps on it it's, it's it sounds really warm you know yeah yeah so i thought about that what that kind of story of that tape and that moment is right like if you take my dad in queens in 1963 1964 and you take finding that tape recorder in 2018 and then bringing it to texas and it's like kind of 
there's like a moment there where things could have gone a lot of different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole idea, I guess the biblical idea of Palm Sunday is kind of that way too. It's like Jesus, I'm not religious, but it's a good story. <laughs> uh, like Jesus coming into Jerusalem, right? And everyone's like, hey, the king of the Jews is here. Like everyone's really happy about him being there. He's on a donkey. They're throwing the palms all on the ground. And everyone's like, you know, pretty jazzed he's there. But like he's going to get killed in a few days. Yeah. Like things are going to go really bad. So there's a lot of people there celebrating. And then there's people on the sidelines and people like around kind of plotting. And there's people who know what's going to go down too. So there's like a moment where it could go either way to the people who are there, you know. And that same thing is like in a relationship, which you don't know when you're in the middle of a relationship. You know what yes. I mean? No one ever knows when the middle happens. Yes. You know when it's over and you're like, oh, that was the best part. I didn't realize that was the best part of it, you know, when it was happening. It wasn't conscious. It's like, oh, man, that was the best time of my life or something like that, you know? So, like, those kinds of things of, like, looking at moments from a different vector where you're like, oh, wow, like, I can see how this is going to go horrible. And I feel like I'm the only one. Everyone's smiling. I have a swell time. And I'm just here like, ooh, I don't know, (laughs) you know? And that's also kind of where we are like in the in the country probably to everybody in the world Sunday by Star Parks. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> I, I love the uh, the narrative backstory on it as well. Their sound is just so fantastic and warm. And we that conversation, I thought all these conversations were, were going to be like five or ten minutes. I would only get a little bit of time with the bands, but they all ended up being over an hour long. So that was just a small snippet of the conversation. And I hope at the end of this podcast, we're going to start to put out all of the full conversations online somewhere for people who have bought the album I'll, I'll put up a secret link so so yeah so that was the first song on the record so that, that that's the that's the way the album opens that's the way the album opens and i just think it was th- there's a build to that song which i thought was oh, just yeah. perfect yeah it, even just from that clip you could hear it's 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 a journey the song is a journey and i, I like the way it opens up the album that that's sort of introducing that the album will be a, a journey through different sounds and soundscapes and styles. So incredible, incredible choice. And in fact, that's a good point because the A side of this record is going to be five songs that sort of represent the, the indie and rock side of the music that has been represented in the blog over the years. The B side gets more percussive and electronic. <laughs> it's got Yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting for people who have uh, 
been following the blog for for a period of time, they they probably have noticed that. But when we were both actively posting at the same time, it was almost predictable, sort of who's who was who's going to post what to to some degree. I came from a different sort of musical taste and uh, had different interests than you did. But I think over time, we also started blending where where you were starting to put more indie and more more um, more acoustic stuff, and I was putting in uh, more bangers, <laughs> uh, <laughs> things that things that I I got turned on to through you. So it's it's definitely a, sort of a, a meld of tastes and genres, and uh, I think it represents both of our sort of styles a, a bit. I think that was also our post-rationalized manifesto or mission if you will you know we sort of realized that no one really just listens to one genre of music and 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 if they do they shouldn't be <laughs> exactly our mission became you know d- music discovery to a, to a wider degree and to opening your mind up the blog was becoming more of a music stream of consciousness so to speak you know you would listen to a hip-hop track and then it would be an electronic track and then it would be an indie track and it was like you know that, that's how we listen to music, and we sort of wanted to share that, that way. And we think that there was other people out there that felt the same way and listened the same way. Yeah, uh, you know, thinking back on what started the, how we started the blog and some of the criteria we had, originally we didn't have any criteria other than let's start a blog, and then sort of uh, it emerged uh, over, over time. But um, you, might be, you might hear my son in the background I don't know if you're getting that or not, but yeah, I, I I didn't know if that was a siren in the streets of Philadelphia. No, or... that's my that's my son. He's he's new since we started the blog too. He's only one year old, old right now, but <laughs> he just came back from a walk, not by himself, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> but he's upstairs. He'll he'll be taking a nap soon, so maybe he'll uh, it'll quiet down. So, but what what I was saying was, what was I saying? Where was I going with that? Oh, some of our criteria. So really thinking about what we wanted to post, what was our style of posting. And, and we sort of had to find a voice uh, in the beginning. It was just really when we didn't have any sort of audience, it was just us posting for each other. So it was very casual. A couple sentences, we really didn't uh, think about uh, the style of the writing or you know, format, anything like that. Uh, we also, but that changed over time. And, and one of the things we, we talked about a lot in the beginning was, you know, do we want to be a music review site? And I think we made that decision to we're not going to review albums and bash them. We're really only going to highlight the things that we like. Everybody can be a critic, but if you're not creating something, uh, who are you really to to put it down? So we made that decision to not review albums, give it one star, tell people why it sucks. It's we just chose to post the things that we liked and and keep everything pretty positive. And I think that. You know, it just created a, a, a better environment for the blog and than having to sort of, you know, navigate that sort of uh, approach. It's tempting. It's tempting to go in that direction, isn't it? Because it's almost easier to, to, to criticize and tell you tell tell someone what you don't like about the song. But, you know, I think that the, the direction we took has proved to be really good because the outpouring of positivity that's come back from all the artists that we've talked to and worked with over the years. I mean, the fact that we were able to call on 10 of our favorite artists and all of them came back and said, yeah, I'd love to participate in this project has been amazing. And I don't think we could have done that without that 
positive mission. So second second song, you ready for this? This is from a an artist who's from your original stomping ground in New Jersey. He is called Tom Herman, also known as Old Smile. And Tom is a lo-fi psych rock and multi-instrumentalist from New Jersey. For nearly the last decade, he's been quietly shaping the psych rock genre for the 21st century. I just absolutely adore his music, and I think he has managed to carve out the, his own distinct sound in a genre that's been evolving since the 70s. So it's a not, not an easy field to stand out, out in, but he does it uh, quite well. We first featured Old Smile on the blog back in 2014 when he released his album called Steep Blue Hill. It was released on 30 limited edition pro-dubbed cassette tapes, all with custom hand-drawn artwork. And uh, that's just the sort of project that catches my attention. So I was in love with it before I even heard the music, really. And we're honored to be able to feature one of his songs as the second track on the album. The single is called Unknown Mind. And Tom wrote it after being diagnosed with bipolar disease. I spoke to him about his inpatient experience and how how that experience became the inspiration for this song. So listen to this. amazing i mean like the title unknown mind sort of talks about someone struggling with mental illness but i had no idea that it was coming from <laughs> like conversations you were having actually to to work that through like the title unknown mind is kind of like you know it felt like you know it was like man who was i whose mind was that you know yeah. my mind <laughs> that
So that was the second track, Unknown Mind by Old Smile. Pretty hauntingly, uh, hauntingly good, I, I, I think. It, it, he, he, takes, he takes some really heavy subjects, and I think he does a really good job of making them feel light and effortless with, through his music. It doesn't come through in the, in, the, in the sound of the music. It doesn't come through in the song when you're just listening to it, but understanding the, the, the context as he talks through it, uh, it really puts a different perspective on it. And I, it's, it's, again, sort of interesting to think back on, on the blog over 10 years and you know, sort of genre blending, but also giving, giving artists uh, a platform to get their music out there um, some of the artists that we were were highlighting in the beginning, I think we were even just we we're recording videos in the subway of, of New York and saying, hey, this person, the, the rest of the world needs to see this person, see their talent, needs to, to under, understand their, their story. And so we wanted to be a platform for people to express themselves and get their voices out there. So really a great artist to feature as a, as a second track. So a lot of depth to the to the to the music. He's just incredible, incredible as well. I mean, it was so hard to pick one of his songs. Once we knew we were going to put Tom on the on the record, then it was a job just to narrow it down because he has something like five records. They're all fantastic. He's one of my favorite as far as that genre, that specific genre of like indie psych rock. I think he's one of the most talented. So check out the notes of this podcast to see more links to his music. And the other cool thing is that this record it will be the first time that most of these songs will be committed to vinyl so even though most of these songs have been released a while ago and you can hear them digitally this will be the first time you can get a wax copy of it and in some case it'll be a version of the song that's that hasn't been released before as well so and, and thinking thinking about uh the vinyl and releasing this on the 10th year anniversary thinking back on the the name of the site the new lo-fi and we were sort of going back and forth on on names and where that name came from yeah i don't know if we we both had the same idea but i i think we we went through tons of names and that one i love this because we haven't talked about this in a while actually and i'm really interested to hear what you're going to say this one i remember just sticking out and at the time, I was listening to a lot of kind of like, I don't know, lo-fi kind of like indie f- fuzz rock. I don't even know what you, what you would call it, but <laughs> I was definitely, um, you know, I've always been a fan of hearing the original takes of songs. I've always been a fan of hearing like the the demo, the lo-fi version. Like that to me, that's always the purest expression of the song. It's it, it changes once it goes in the studio. It changes once you've mastered it and mixed it. And so I I've just always been somebody who looks out for those those sort of like raw demos. And 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 for me, I, there's this sort of romantic uh, notion of in the '70s, people would get together and and come come together in a physical location. There's a social aspect to it to listen to a new album. So, so that was sort of like the old lo-fi was, hey, let's get together and listen to an album. And with the internet coming around, for me, it was sort of this idea of the new lo-fi. You know, MP3s didn't have necessarily the same quality of, of, of CDs or um, some uh, high-resolution audio, digital audio that was out there. But it was it was sort of the new lo-fi, so people could listen instead of coming together in a living room physically. You can listen to music with people anywhere in the world, 
but it was still, you know, the audio quality suffered, but it was this socialization of music. So that was my perspective on it. Yeah, I think that's that's how it's evolved in my head as well. Actually, it's it's the it's the way that audio fidelity, because that's what the phi is, isn't it? The audio fidelity has sort of changed. Back in the day, when you're recording in a studio, the the audio fidelity might have been represented by the equipment you're using, but now it's sort of the the analog equipment you're using. Now it's now it's the digital equipment you you've been using. So it's yeah, we did sort of put a bunch of names on a piece of paper and. The new lo-fi was the one that we liked the most, but over the years, it's it's been able to take on a, a deeper meaning. So for track three, we have the songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Eric Harvey. Multi-instrumentalist, that's a tough word to say. Eric Harvey facts. Eric played keyboard for the band Spoon. After departing the group in 2016, Harvey, a longtime resident of Texas, relocated to his home in New York, where he joined the touring band of Hamilton Lighthouser. Hamilton Lighthouser was the lead singer for the Walkman, another of my favorite bands. Eric has first appeared on the new lo-fi in March of 2012 with a feature about his solo album entitled Lake Disappointment. That album has been reissued this year, in fact, 2020, with new remixes and unheard demos. For our album, Eric has allowed us to include his track Tried and True, and I was able to catch up with Eric to talk about what it was like working on this track in the studio and how the song transformed from an instrumental track into an unexpected breakup song with a hopeful outlook, I guess you would describe it as. So this is Tried and True by Eric Harvey. Would it finally make things right? I mean, Tried and True, that's, it's probably one of the more fully realized songs on that record. I feel like it was one of the later, one of the later tracks to come together. I went into the studio with Charlie Sexton in Austin to do uh, some work. I had met him um, kind of through Jim Eno, the drummer for Spoon. Uh, Charlie had been using Jim's studio a lot in Austin, and so we would run into him a lot. And um, he was just a super cool, laid-back guy, you know, like, for those of you who don't know him, he's really kind of a legend. He's played with David Bowie. He plays in Bob Dylan's band. Um, he's done tons of production work. He's just really amazing, you know, known primarily for as a guitarist, but what I discovered was that he is um, an amazing producer and can play really anything. So on that track, I, I just took him my song, uh, sat down and just sang him the song, played acoustic guitar, and um, we pretty much wrote the rest of it kind of on the spot. He played drums, uh, he played piano, baritone guitar. Um, I played a little Rhodes, um, but uh, you know he he engineered it and so, sort of guided where the whole track went. So it has this really unique sort of voice to the whole song, primarily because of you know just like the the two of us working it out together. And the drums sound amazing. I mean, he's just—he was a hell of a guy to work with. Yeah, he so he really made that track. That's what I remember most about it. So the 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 album is called Lake Disappointment, and this this song in particular has the tinges of 
uh, almost like a, a breakup song, but at the same time, and I think this is probably true for the whole album, not just the single, is there's this hopefulness in it. There, you know, there, there's that line, there, there's never any rhyme or reason, which gives it up to something bigger than, than, than you know, yourself in, in a way. Can you talk about where the inspiration for the, the, the lyrics came from, from this track? I really have very little memory of writing that particular song. I feel like some of the other ones I would have these lines or, or there would be little details that I would have kind of in my notebook that would, you know, I remember like finding the song where to put particular lines and particular images. But with that song, I really don't remember writing it um, at all. I think it had been in kind of an instrumental song for a while and when I started um, trying to put some lyrics to it I mean it became this kind of relationship song I, my my uh, ex-girlfriend sang on it and she had sort of accused me of writing this breakup song about us and I hadn't really thought of it as that um, we did end up breaking up so I guess she was right <laughs> but um, I just thought it needed it was like one of those songs that needed like a a second voice it needed another another character but yeah it i like i like what you said about it having a sort of hopefulness to it i mean it's you know i was really influenced by dylan at that time and so it there's a little bit of this kind of you know like kiss off kind of vibe to it you know the kind of mm. kind of ends with you know if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna turn around and walk away you better be wearing your walking shoes like you're not coming back so yeah, I don't know. Um, I've never really been much for writing like, like really straightforward relationship songs, but that's, I guess that's about as close as I get. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that that's why it was so interesting for us because, um, and me in particular, it, you know, things like, I think there was a line that's like nothing beautiful or nothing meaningful can last, and I think there's a the the song sort of hits this real truth that being human just necessarily means that no matter how nice or great something is, it, it's not going to last. And I, I think that that's why there was sort of a, there's a hopeful tinge to it, even though it might be framed as a, as a breakup song. Yeah. I, I you know, I feel like it harkens back a, a little bit to, there was some, when I first started writing songs, um, like the first kind of like grown up songs that I wrote, you know, maybe like right before I started playing with spoon, they had this kind of hard on your sleeve, earnestness i mean nothing too flowery but they were just they had this kind of earnestness about them that i think i ended up sort of suppressing for a while because it, it just seemed a little too vulnerable and i was you know playing in this kind of rock band that wasn't really about being vulnerable and so i kind of stopped writing songs like that but i guess with tried and true it just sort of worked its way out again yeah you know i like i like a good cliche i try to make them maybe not too like modern country cliche or too like Stetson Americana cliche, but you know, a little cliche goes a long way when you're talking about matters of the heart. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Hold on, not so fast. I can answer if you don't ask. We let it go on and on. Nothing meaningful can last. I call 
pick up it all Do whatever works for you If you answer I just might Shed a little light Quit hiding in plain view So good that track. I love that track. Yeah, that that whole segment took me down memory lane a little bit. I think uh, I I first started listening to Spoon when I was living in Dallas, probably early two thousands, and and I, at some point uh, I guess they they fell off my radar. Then when we we met, um, you sort of brought them back back up and, and sort of reminded me of them. Started listening to them again. And then you turn me on to Eric's solo stuff. And now when he's talking through this track and his, his collaboration with Charlie Sexton also brings me back to a period I was listening to a lot of Charlie Sexton. And, and again, somebody I haven't listened to in, in a really long time, but it makes me want to go back and, and kind of go through his, his catalog again. Honestly, I, I don't remember uh, what I was listening to of his, but I remember it standing out. So I'm definitely going to revisit that. So that whole segment was fun. So for the fourth track, we are going to feature a band who has been with us from almost the beginning. This is almost the band that has been with us the longest on the record. They're a Californian indie duo called Inspired and the Sleep. And we're lucky enough to feature one of their early singles entitled Smiles for Adoption, which was first released on the blog in October 2011. I talked to Max Greenhall uh, one half of the duo this past October about where the name for the track Smiles for Adoption came from and w- generally what his naming strategy was. So listen to this. I honestly couldn't tell you where I the a lot of the titles on that record in particular don't really uh, correlate so much with the actual recording. I think at the time I was like really into this like lo-fi recording and I was listening a lot to like Tune Yards and like a bunch of bands kind of in that style. And I was like hitting trash cans in my hallway and stuff like that and just experimenting with stuff. And it was really kind of my first stab at like really experimenting into like a recording and a full piece of work. So I think I just titled the project Smiles for Adoption. Right. You know, so so the, the title itself doesn't exactly correlate with with the actual lyrics and like meaning behind it. It's a really interesting way to title, actually, is because the process is so important. And so why not title the process rather than the end result? Yeah, exactly. And a big thing is like, you know, when you start an initial demo as a producer and stuff like that, you're usually like, oh, shoot, like, what, how, what should I name this? I don't know. And then you're like, well, like, what's the first thing that comes through? <laughs> They're like, oh, smiles for adoption. And then like, you know, come like two, three months later and the whole record's done and you're like setting stuff up for mastering and for release. And you're like, yeah, let's just like stick with that. Take the times we had and freeze them 
that was Smiles for Adoption by Inspired in the Sleep. And you know what? That We had that conversation. I looked back and we had that conversation exactly nine years to the day after we first featured that song on the blog, October 25th, 2011. It was pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, and, and when you, you started that track, I could absolutely hear sort of the experimentation and sort of makeshift instruments uh, before he even started talking about it. I love that. I love that that style. I love that. Uh, even that that story about naming the track. Uh, I don't know if you've had experiences like that, but I've done the s- same thing, just messing around with music and naming it something just so you have something to save to your your desktop, and then all of a sudden you look back on it seven years and it's like, yeah, that's that that's that thing. Pretty is pretty funny for me. Is like it leaves a space for you to put the meaning on it. I, I sort of guessed what Smiles for Adoption was about. And then that then his answer was sort of after that. He's like, eh, actually, no, it was, it was just like, we just sort of put it on there. But it, it's nice that it just leaves that space to let you put your own interpretation on it. Which is funny because a lot of, a lot of artists choose not to interpret their music for people. I think actually Eric mentioned Dylan and He's sort of, you know, so many people have interpretations of what his songs mean. And I think oftentimes he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily give us the luxury of where he was coming from. It's, it allows it to, allows us to individually personalize the meaning. Yeah. It's more, it makes it more powerful, I think, in in some ways. It could be, I I guess I could make it frustrating for fans, but. So the last track on the A side of this record, track five, features another band that has been a longtime friend of the blog. The band is called Conveyor, and we originally featured them on the blog in 2012 after we saw them at CMJ. I think we went to CMJ together in New York and, and might have saw them. I remember they released this amazing video for their track Muckraker, where the band filmed the whole video in their cramped Williamsburg apartment with all the instruments set up in the kitchen and they had all these lights and it was just beautifully done and the song was beautiful as well. So for our record, the band agreed that we could include a song from their 2016 release called Ready Not Ready. The song is called Rye Thing and I had a chance to talk to the band's frontman, TJ Masters, about what he was going through when he wrote the song. Sure, I've been happy and I will be Got some money and a few good friends, but I tell you what, there is no guarantee. The only thing I'm sure is uncertainty. The only thing I'm sure is happening is whatever you say, whatever you do. Yeah, so Rye thing, which is kind of a sloppy pun on the word writhing and that'll tell you two things about me one whenever possible i am seeking to choose words or or choose music very deliberately that can affect multiple interpretations that's that just been something that's been really important to me as a lover of art and music is to be able to project yourself onto onto whatever it is that you love to listen to and so when I'm creating music, I'm kind of always trying to twist myself into different circles that can be revisited with a different perspective, I guess. So that's the, the first thing. And the second thing that follows from that uh, that I'll tell you about me is that I was horribly depressed at the time 
that a lot of these songs were coming out. So if you've ever had an experience with depression or if any of your listeners are currently depressed or have been depressed, you know or they know that a large part of the experience is trying to hide that from other people. At the same time, you're trying to tell everyone around you that you need help, basically. So um, that's where the title comes from, and that's certainly where a lot of the lyrics in this song come from. They're tortuous and circular and cyclical and unnecessarily complicated because I think when you're depressed and, and especially when you are lower maybe than you've ever felt before, it's just a, a battle to try and to, de to describe to the people around you the support that you need. Uh, I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Well, that, I love that the, the double meaning on the, on the title. I could totally identify with that, that feeling of, um, I don't know how you call it, but it, you're right, inwardly you're struggling and mm -hmm. outwardly you're trying to, it's a call for help almost. And, and I'll also just go ahead and throw out there that if you are depressed and you're listening to this podcast right now, take it from me. I, I, I know that there is nothing worse than somebody else trying to tell you, look, you need help, and there are people out there that are willing to give it to you. You know, when I was depressed, I, I think the people around me could pick up on it, and uh, they would send me books, or they would send me links to interviews and things like that. Like, oh, don't you think this, like, perfectly encapsulates the experience of depression? Like, this person's talking about their depression, and I would just be like, F that. I don't know if I can curse on your podcast. Screw that. I don't want to listen to that. Those people don't know what I'm going through. Those people don't know what I'm talking about. Only I know what I'm talking about. Only I know what I'm going through. And so if hearing me say that right now kind of hits you in a sensitive spot, that might be a good thing to, to look at a little more closely. I can see now that is I'm seeing it. If it looks strange, trust me, it will be stranger yet. If I get moody and wretched in me, will you come over and watch my TV? Will you come over for a so many thoughts going on right now when that first when that tr track first came on it was interesting because i i know where this this vinyl is going the the first side is more acoustic the second side is 
It's a bit more upbeat. And so this track closing uh, the the first side of the, of the of the vinyl, you could see the 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 build up happening, and you know just the sort of the sound of that song kind of brings me back to some like. Uh, kind of like world music, like old, like some Paul Simon when he started wor- yes. working with some like some of like more African musicians and even sort of like in some way, you know, Vampire Weekend appropriated some of that sound. And like so there is definitely this upbeat, positive sa- sound coming. And I didn't expect him to start talking about um, being depressed. So that just took me on a, a, a separate sort of uh, journey, which was sort of reminded me the other night talking my wife, we were watching a documentary on Pink Floyd and they were highlighting uh, Sid Barrett and sort of his his struggle with mental illness. And you know, my wife is is not in the creative industry. She's more on the science side. And so she's like, oh, artists are always having these like problems. And it's it's you know, it it's it's two two of the artists so far have highlighted mental illness and there, there, you know, there is a connection between creativity and some of the struggles that artists have. You know, it's art and creativity is, is it's always very personal and takes a lot out. I think of, artists are also more in touch with a, 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 a more sensitive side of themselves or a more sensitive side of the world as well. But but we also, you know, the world uh, is a better place because of the art that is created from from people who are able to tap into their emotions. So. You know, thinking about both stories that, that have been told so far on this, it's, um, you know, we're here talking about their music and talking about the, the gift that they've given uh, the world. And it also sort of makes me think about the time that we're now with with lockdowns and COVID and music venues are locked or shut down. And a lot of people uh, don't have the bands can't tour. So they're their way of making a living. So. I'm sh- I'm sure this time has been really hard on on uh, a lot of a lot of creative folks, and the fact that this vinyl is giving back, you know, there's sort of like a, a full circle here. So it's it's good to see that the that this album is also giving back to the community who, you know, is really at the center of of it all. Well, I think that's a that that that's a perfect segue into talking about Heart and Soul, the charity that the profits of this record are going to go towards. We're halfway through the record now. And Heart and Soul champion the talents of people with learning disabilities through the use of art and music. And last week, I actually had the opportunity to call Heart and Soul and let them explain what they do. And I was able to talk to their communications officer, Meg Beaumont, and their taking part assistant and a rising star presenter, I think, called Ono. So I'm Meg and I am the communications officer at Heart and Soul and I I haven't even worked here for two years yet so Ono is the, the true Heart and Soul expert. <laughs> Not only the expert but the stars for I've, I've been watching uh, I've been watching your updates and they're they're great they're absolutely great you're taking over the show now. Exactly. 
And so how would you summarize the, the sorts of things you do? Um, we work with young people as well as with as well as with adults who have um, who have a learning disability and we run club nights and as well as creative events for them. Do you want to talk a bit about the um, our taking part programs? Yes, we have two taking part programs. One for young people aged ten up to ten up to twenty five, called um, called Do Your Own Thing, which happens t twice a month on a Saturday, where and um, where young people can learn how to do music, art. DJing and BJing, as well as as well as digital um, as well as digital art, and we have a adults taking taking part project for adults aged eighteen upwards called All Sorts that happens once a month for six weeks um, on a Thursday, where people can learn how to do circus skills, animation, as well as as well as pottery as well. Yeah, it's something something different uh, every week, isn't it? So you never yeah. never do the same thing twice. I'm amazed at how much creative work you guys do. I've, I saw there's like, you, you have zines yeah. and, and the, the heart and soul updates. Those are fantastic. I really, I really love those. Can you tell me a little bit yeah. about the heart and soul updates? It was, we, <laughs> we were basically just giving, giving people what they needed. Um, daily, um, and what, weekly, what is that, Ona? What is it what they needed? The weekly updates on things that really matter. <laughs> There's quite a lot of good telly chat in there, isn't there? Yeah, I think the I think one of my favorites was the uh, was was Magic Mike versus uh, Fred from from uh, First Dates. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I mean, I've seen I've seen first dates. I, I know he's a hunk, Fred, but uh, I haven't seen Magic Mike. But but uh, it seemed like the the scale sort of tipped towards the first dates way, that, rather than Magic exactly. Mike. <laughs> and so, Ona, oh where where can we where can we find more information about Heart and Soul? If you go to their website, which is www.heartheartandsoul. All right, and the and the Instagram as well. There's a lot of content. There's a lot of great content as well. Um, our um Instagram handle is Heart and Soul Kiss, <laughs> and as well um on the website, you will find um a link to our um to our fabulous um choir. Yeah. Oh yeah, we also have a choir. <laughs> I didn't know you had a choir. There's there's no end to the creative output you guys have. Well, listen. Oh no, I'm. I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. Really, it's been so fantastic talking to you and 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 being able to speak to you live. And I'm going to continue to follow the heart and soul updates that that you so fabulously put together. Yes. There will be there will be more next year. So that was Ono from Heart and Soul. And actually that track playing in the background is one of their artists called Lizzie Emma. 
and she made history when she launched her her debut album loud and proud and became the first solo artist with a learning disability to release an album of original songs in the uk so pretty amazing i think pretty awesome and pretty awesome to have ono on on the podcast also pretty cool that the that that background track or featured the the brass section so i don't know if that was planned I'm, I'm i'm assuming it probably was but the previous tracks introduced some brass and then this track also build on built on that as well oh, i never even thought of that actually yeah it, it's it's a nice soulful funky transition into into what's next definitely check out heart and soul picks on instagram for ono's updates and they're releasing a lockdown mixtape next week which is a compilation of all the new songs the artists have written and recorded over the past year Lizzie Emma has another new track in, in that as well. So check out their website at heartandsoul.co.uk. All right, so the B side. As you could probably hear, the A side was all about the indie music or the, the sort of music that was featured on the blog that sort of skews more towards the indie side over the last 10 years. The B side reflects the more electronic music that has been featured on the blog, and that all kicks off with our sixth track, a song from the Spanish-English band Crystal Fighters. This is another band that you discovered, actually. We featured the Crystal Fighters on the new Lo-Fi back in 2011, and I think the way you described it in your write-up was they were indie folktronica. <laughs> but I think it captured them quite well, actually, and I think that's why it's nice that they're the sixth track, because they are sort of indie and folky, but they have an electronic side to them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Up up tempo, picking up the picking up the beat a little bit, transitioning us into into the the party on side B. So, this is the perfect track to to blend in the indie to the electronic and transition from the A side to the B side. And the the track that we selected cuz we did we have since 2011 we featured a lot of their music. On, on our site, but the track that we featured was one of their first, which was called Champion Sound. Argentina, it's not that far away in the day now. So, but someday I'll play my concertina to an arena full of people, or I'll dream my life away, dreaming of the day. Wanna find my girl, love will be amazing, champion sound. Wanna find my girl, love will be amazing, champion sound. So good that track. So good, so good. Fantastic track. And it and it, you can see how it's like it's sort of even just there. It's the the bass starts to come in and it's like, is it an indie track? Is it an electronic track? It's definitely a party, that's for sure. <laughs> Which is actually, uh, I was thinking about it during that track and the fact that this vinyl is a continuous play, which makes it all that more special. You know, it's not necessarily uh, ten individual tracks on an album. They're really um, sequenced in this a specific way, 
mixed and intended to be a continuous play album. So uh, I think that makes all the songs all that more special. Yeah, and it's funny. It's 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 using that mixtape medium, uh, like a cassette tape medium, on a vinyl record, which, you know, I know you and I both made mixtapes, like actual cassette tape mixtapes for, you know, potential lo- like girlfriends and 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 just friends in general to show what you're listening to and this sort of is a vinyl version of that yeah i mean there there was a certain certain magic to a mixtape because you had a very specific and and finite amount of time to express yourself to your loved one uh either <laughs> either you had the 60 minute uh and then of course was it was it was it like TDK? Was that were those the tapes yeah, that came TDK, out? Yeah. Then there are the ninety minute plays, so you got an extra half hour, for <laughs> forty five minutes on each side. But still, there was a limit to it. And and the funny thing is, you, you we have all the music in the world online, and now we have playlists, and the restrictions or the 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 sort of um, parameters of a mixtape are gone. And I think some of the magic is gone because. It, you could have 50 songs in it and it's, it's not finite anymore. It's, it's not a story with a beginning and an end. So I think there's, uh, it's nice to, to bring this back on vinyl where there is a beginning and there is an end. There's a specific idea. It's not a, it's not a folder full of 60 songs that you could just play on shuffle. Are, are you saying this is like our love, our love mixtape to our fans? I, I think it could be, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. So we talked a lot about the music but I haven't really mentioned the album artwork yet. And for the artwork, we came up with this idea to create 10 custom numbers, each to re- represent one of the 10 years. And we've had the pleasure to work with a bunch of typographers, illustrators, designers to create one custom number. So for example, track six, you know, the, the track we just heard was represented by this custom illustrated number six character smoking like a doobie and strutting along it's like this little six character that that was illustrated by a very talented designer and illustrator called miguel orsini in caracas but for like the number one for instance a dutch designer called emily laura created this beautiful custom digit in amsterdam the number two was created by pablo desportes in brussels the number three was created in london by kyle dawney and he really took it to a next level because and, and this is what was so interesting about giving this brief out because we basically just said it needs to be one color do whatever you want it needs to represent the the number so some of them came back as as different characters some of them came back as like what you would um, almost expect as as the form of the number number three kyle basically did a triangle which is three-sided obviously and he did this like halftone triangle that if you look at it it sort of turns into a pyramid like a three-dimensional, three-dimensional, three-sided, three. It, it was just really good. So like those sort of things started to come back, and I was like, this is so great that that uh, all of these illustrators and designers basically put so much love into this project. So I just want to shout out all of the illustrators um, who have who have helped. Uh, you know, Mike Lopez in Toronto designed number five. He did like this pop art five. It, that's fantastic. Eduardo Malia created number eight in Buenos Aires. Freaky number nine, as it was called, was created in Lisbon by Joao Paquito. So I just, you guys should go check the website out where all of the artwork is and 
and go to go to the new lofi.com slash 10 and you can see all the artwork you can see links to all of the illustrators their instagram handles are there you can see all the artwork uh at the new lofi.com slash 10 so so go check that out support our illustrators they they've all given this artwork for the cause so go and check out their websites and all the other artwork they're doing all right for track seven we had the honor of including the french band yell we've been supporting yell for 10 years i think we mistakenly pronounced their name as yeely for probably five of those years <laughs> and they've gone on to become uh like a massive band <laughs> so here's some yell facts yell is an electronic duo made up of julia boudet and jean-francois perrier aka grand marinier they have four studio albums including Lier de Verso, which I'm totally butchering the pronunciation, I'm sure. That was released earlier this year. We first featured Yell on the blog 10 years ago for the release of their second album, The Safari Disco Club, and they allowed us to include their disco anthem called La Musique for track number seven. So everyone should get their dancing pants on and listen to this. Here we go. Music by Yell, and that was track seven on the record. Obviously, getting much more disco-y and dancey. So the disco continues with the eighth track on this record, and for track number eight, we've got a new single from an LA-based producer called Blake Robin, aka Luxury, also a band that's been featured on the blog for for a very long time. We first came across Blake in 2014 when he released a series of unofficial remixes called The Luxury Edits, Luxury with two X's, that's how luxurious it is. And there was this amazing rework of Hotel California by the Eagles that managed to transform a rock song into this slow burning disco dance floor anthem. Blake is able to see virtually any genre of music through his shiny disco lenses. And his remix treatment has been applied to pop songs from new artists, but also classic tracks like that Eagles track or Michael Jackson, Talking Heads, Hall & Oates, The Doors, The Clash. There's really no music that he isn't able to turn into a disco anthem, basically. He's just a student of how music works. Blake has let us include one of his newer tracks for the album. It's called Set Me Free. And I talked to Blake last month about the inspiration for the bass line 
and what his writing process was like. So take a listen to this. set me free that began with a just a simple beat like a loop a sample that I grabbed from uh, actually I don't even know probably from some dusty 12 inch vinyl and then sitting down with that in Ableton looping with the bass in my hand and just vibing really just whatever my fingers did I think maybe in my head for the particular baseline, I kind of remember, I remember that day that I did like three baselines over one beat and listing back the one that became Set Me Free was the best of the bunch. But for some reason, I'm thinking back and last night a DJ saved my life was in my head. Last night a DJ saved my life. Now the baseline's very different, but somehow that translated in my fingers that groove that vibe that sort of feel and obviously not wanting to rip it off you know part of the songwriting process is you have an idea and if it's coming from some other place you want to not have it be the same you want to change it so for me changing it was probably like in real time like it wasn't a strategic sitting down with a spreadsheet but my fingers were like okay well, well I don't want the same rhythm I don't want the same notes I don't want the same chords so some combination of those like alchemically became the set me free baseline so if you compare them side by side you'll be like i do not hear any similarity between or maybe there is a similarity and mine is they're very different except they share i guess that in the beginning i think the rest of it it's off to the races it's like totally different but that's enough where I wasn't just like a blank slate, like, what do I play? Like, I definitely need to have something in my head that I'm thinking about or inspired by. And uh, anyway, it was in deep. Last night, a DJ saved my life. That's the inspiration. That's the before and after for Set Me Free. I think it's just amazing. I think some little spark like that can just be something completely else. You, you sort of become the translator for, for, for what it becomes. And for you, it's like, oh, it was pretty close. But for someone else, like you said, you put it side by side and you're like, this doesn't sound anything alike. <laughs> and and yeah, it's just fascinating how that, that process works. You can sort of see or you have a vision of where you want it to go in your head. And, and that little spark is what... Yeah. And, and actually, I never have a vision. I literally I just listened to this great interview between Dan from Caribou and Kevin from Tame Impala. And the two of them, it's such a delicious. It's on Talk House, I think. It's a, just a, it's like a conversation between two of my favorite musicians of the past 10 years, just talking to each other like we are about their creative process. And what was interesting to me is Dan, I totally identified with Dan Snaith from Caribou saying that he has no idea where he's going. 
and I don't either. I have zero vision. I think, and, and I think by contrast, Tame Impala, Kevin Parker was like, actually kind of does. He sort of has, he sort of has it in his mind what he wants the song to sound like. And I do not. I just have a beat and I'm like, oh. And then the bass line comes out of me the way I just described it. A combination of, I have some idea in my head and I don't want it to be exactly the same as this thing that I'm inspired by. And I'm limited by what my capabilities are. And I'm limited by what the bass can do. And boom. what do you think of that one i love that he said he's limited by his capabilities uh, i didn't hear many limitations on that track yeah r- very talented guy all right track nine track nine is another very old friend of the blog and it's a another la based producer called ron kaufman so Kolf appeared on the blog for the first time on your Memorial Day mixtape back in May of 2011. You remember the Memorial Day mixtape? That one might have been inspired by playlists. I think it might have had 100 songs. It in had it. something ridiculous in it. And, it. and you zipped up all of the songs so that everyone can, can like download them and use them for their Memorial Day mixtape. <laughs> I was just like, that's mad. It, at the time, it's probably not that much... It's probably not that big of a file now, but at the time I was like, that is a huge file of a hun- like a hundred different MP3s. But yeah, that was the first spark is that Memorial Day mixtape.
The combination of that bass line and the melody. You know the way to my heart with that driving bass line. <laughs> so good. So good. So that was When You're Out by Cough, and that is the ninth track on the album. We're getting close to the end here. So before we, we reveal the last track on the album, I just wanted to remind everyone that this month only you can pre-order the special limited edition version of the record for a reduced price. After this month, it's going to be full price. So please go to thenewlofi.com slash 10, support the project, support Heart and Soul, the charity, support all the artists. This is, this is a fantastic culmination of what art and music can do. So get behind it if, if you have the means we're only making a hundred copies of the limited edition record we're gonna do like these blue colored vinyl records for the limited edition there's only a hundred being made and we've sold 38 copies as of today already there's still plenty of copies left but the pre-sale price will finish at the end of this month so again check out the new slash 10 to get your copy and even if you don't own a record player this makes for a good gift it makes for a good piece of framed artwork. Just hang the record on your wall. Um, but it's, it, it, it'll just make you feel good to buy this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Be one of very few people to have this in your record. Exactly. Yeah. It is really something special. You can't get these tracks. A lot of these tracks have never been put on vinyl before. And the mix is something that is you can't find online anywhere. So yeah. This is not the direct album version. These songs were mixed uniquely for this album. So it's not like you're buying a vinyl of a track that you could find online anyway. So the last track, are you ready for track number 10? The last track, it's a good one. Hopefully by now you've slowly made the transition from indie music to dance music and you're ready to fully commit to the dance floor because this last track is heavy and kind of dark, but I like it. The track's called Black Ballet, and it's from another longtime friend of the blog, a Berlin-based producer called Theater of Delays.
It's like outer space electronic music. Quite the contrast to the first step side. Yeah, but I hope, like I said, I hope it's you like slowly get eased into it. You start in this really warm acoustic space, and then by the end of the 45 minutes, you find yourself dancing your face off in your living room. Full circle. <laughs> Is that it then? How do we end this thing? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> do we have to end it? Maybe we don't have to end it. Maybe we just keep going for another 10 years. And we and we thank all of the readers and listeners for the last 10 years. <laughs> and we invite them to go on the journey with us for the next 10 years. So we don't have to end it. Let's keep it going. Let's build on that track. I think we could do that. Wait, do you mean the podcast? They're actually the blog. <laughs> I, I'm... I'm talking metaphorically. I'm talking the podcast. We, we actually don't have to keep doing the podcast for 10 years, but uh, we could if we wanted to. Yeah, here's the 10 more years then. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, it was fun going through the uh, through the album. It was it was great reflecting on the last 10 years and where where we started, uh, where the where the blog has gone, and um, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us today yeah thank you Th honestly we couldn't have done it without support from fans artists everyone that's been involved for this long that's that's why we're still here really all right thanks for listening and go to the new lo-fi.com slash 10 buy the records